Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Hello. Thank you for joining us for the Friday, April 7th, 2023 reading of the Human Health Program. My name is Emily Crocker. On today's program, Health Truths You Can Ignore from AARP Bulletin. And Do I Really Need to Floss? And Other Questions About Dental Care from NPR. Plus, How to Tell If Eggs Are Bad from Eating Well. And more, time permitting. Here's our first report. Health Truths You Can Ignore. These 10 common beliefs about wellness just don't hold up. Here's why, by Michelle Crouch from AARP Bulletin. Sometimes an offhand comment seems to become a fact when it's repeated often enough, even without evidence to support it. That's particularly the case when it comes to health. Luckily, many of these facts are not matters of life and death, but any kind of misinformation is potentially dangerous. We gathered a wide mix of common assumptions about ordinary health concerns to give you the right facts. Here's what we found. Number one, the claim. You need 10,000 steps a day to boost your longevity. What science shows? The latest research shows that as few as 6,000 steps a day can do it. One 2022 study found that adults 60 and older who clocked 6,000 to 8,000 steps daily had a 50 to 60 percent lower chance of early death. Number two, the claim, running will damage your knees. What science shows? Studies in recent years reveal that running does not raise your risk of knee problems. In fact, pounding the pavement seems to protect your joints. One large study found that runners were half as likely to develop knee osteoarthritis compared with non-runners. Runners typically have stronger quadriceps muscles, which helps to protect the joint, explains Grace Lowe, a researcher at Baylor University College of Medicine. Number three, the claim. You need to drink eight glasses of water a day. What science shows? Many people aim for the often recommended eight glasses of water a day, but there's no science behind that number, says Karen Eilber, a professor of urology and obstetrics and gynecology at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center. Urine color is a good indicator. It should be light to medium yellow. Number four, the claim. Everyone should take a daily multivitamin. What science shows? A 2022 review of 84 studies by the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force found no convincing evidence that multivitamins have any benefit for non-pregnant adults. You'll get much more bang for your buck if you eat a healthful diet with plenty of fruits and different vegetables, says Jeffrey A. Linder, Chief of General Internal Medicine at Northwestern University Feinberg School of Medicine. Number five, the claim. Rest when you have back pain. What science shows? While it's fine to rest for a day or two after a back flare-up, studies over three decades show that you will recover faster if you remain active, says James Powers, an internal medicine geriatric physician at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. 
Prolonged bed rest makes most types of back pain worse. The more you don't use your muscles, the stiffer you will get, he says. Number six, the claim. CPR requires mouth-to-mouth -mouth contact. What science shows? Studies of adults who experienced cardiac arrest outside a hospital found that cardiopulmonary resuscitation involving only chest compressions given by rescuers who weren't medical professionals is just as effective as, if not more effective than, CPR administered with rescue breathing, says Ahmad Idris, an emergency medicine physician. Number seven, the claim. Green or yellow mucus means you need an antibiotic. What science shows? Green or yellow mucus is a sign your body is fighting off an infection, says William Schaffner, an infectious disease expert at the Vanderbilt University School of Medicine. Most respiratory infections are caused by viruses, not bacteria, he notes, and antibiotics don't work on viruses. Number eight, the claim. The flu shot can give you the flu. What science shows? This exasperates doctors because it's biologically impossible, Schaffner says. The vaccine is made from inactive pieces of the virus, he says. People who say they got the flu after the shot may have picked up a different type of respiratory infection. It takes about two weeks for the shot to be fully effective. Number nine, the claim. You'll get sick if you go out with wet hair or no coat. What science shows? Going out in winter temperatures without a coat or with wet hair may make you shiver, but that alone won't make you sick. Colds are caused by viruses, not by cold temperatures, Schaffner says. A few studies have found that cold temperatures may suppress the immune response, so if you do encounter a virus, you may be more likely to get sick. Number 10. The claim. Avoid dairy if you have a cold. What science shows? The idea that milk increases mucus is centuries old, but most research indicates that dairy products do not increase the production of phlegm. In one study published in the American Review of Respiratory Disease, people with the common cold showed no increased phlegm or congestion when they drank milk. Another study found no difference in mucus production between milk and soy milk. Number 11. The claim. Avoid exercise if you are unwell. What science shows? Studies have found that mild to moderate exercise when you have an upper respiratory infection may help you feel better faster. Lying in bed can weaken your muscles and predispose you to pneumonia, Schaffner says. Light exercise prompts you to breathe deeply and cough, which gets things up, he says. Number 12. The claim. Coffee dehydrates you. What science shows? Caffeine is a mild diuretic, meaning it can stimulate your body to produce extra urine. However, research shows the liquid in coffee counteracts any dehydration effects. One study published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition found that people urinate the same amount whether they drink coffee, soda, tea, a sports drink, or water. Number 13. The claim. If it's an actual heart attack, you will have chest pain. What science shows? About 42% of women and 31% of men 
don't have chest pain during a heart attack, according to a study published in JAMA. Other symptoms include shortness of breath, lightheadedness, nausea, and pain or discomfort in the back, neck, jaw, or one or both arms. Number 14. The Claim. Cranberry juice cures urinary tract infections. What science shows. Chugging cranberry juice won't help if you have a bladder infection, says Pamela Levin, associate professor of urogynecology at the University of Pennsylvania. If you have symptoms, such as burning while urinating, you typically need antibiotics and care from your doctor, she says. Cranberries are linked to preventing, not treating, infections, she says. Number 15. The Claim. Air hand dryers are more hygienic than paper towels. What science shows? They may save trees, but air hand dryers in public restrooms don't remove germs as well as paper towels, according to research. Even worse, they may spread germs around. One study published in the Journal of Hospital Infection found that airborne bacteria counts were 27 times higher when jet air dryers were used. Number 16. The Claim. You can lose weight and toxins with a juice cleanse. What science shows? Juiced cleanses are touted as healthy and slimming, but research shows no proof of benefit and some cleanses may put your health at risk. In fact, one review study found no evidence that detox diets work to eliminate toxins. Up next, do I really need to floss and other questions about dental care by Asia Drain and Sylvie Douglas from NPR. You've probably heard this dental advice before. Brush your teeth twice a day. Remember to floss. Get those pearly whites to the dentist twice a year. But are they true? And why do we have to do these things? We asked dental hygiene professionals to answer five basic questions about how to care for your teeth and keep them healthy. Here's what they had to say. Number one, how often should I really brush my teeth? You should brush your teeth twice a day for two minutes each time, according to the American Dental Association. But teeth maintenance is more than just brushing, flossing, and tongue scraping, says Dr. Mark Berhen, a dentist based in Sunnyvale, California, and the creator of AskTheDentist.com, a website that offers advice on professional and at-home dental practices. He says it's a complex equation juggling diet, saliva flow, avoiding dry mouth, maintaining the bacteria and pH in your oral microbiome, and managing your biofilm, an outer coating on your teeth containing bacteria. In that biofilm are bacteria that pull calcium and phosphate ions from saliva, he says. Those minerals are then pulled into the tooth and are able to actually fix and patch small cavities before they get too large and need treatment. That's called the remineralization effect, he adds. Brushing your teeth helps that process, says Berhen. When we eat, sugary or acidic foods especially, the biofilm layer gets so thick and furry that it can't remineralize your teeth properly. The mechanical movement of the toothbrush is what breaks up the biofilm so that it reforms into its natural, thin, and slippery state to protect teeth. 
Brushing also helps remove plaque, which is the accumulation of biofilms containing large masses of microorganisms stuck to your teeth, kind of like algae on rocks. But if that buildup isn't removed frequently, then demineralization can occur, leading to cavities, gingivitis, and periodontitis. Funny enough, toothpaste actually does less work than you think, says Alicia Muria, a dental hygienist based in Washington, D.C., and founder of Hygienists for Humanity, a nonprofit that connects vulnerable communities with oral hygiene products. Your toothpaste is going to help you to feel fresher, she says. It's also going to help kill some of the bacteria that's inside your mouth. But really, the most important step in keeping your teeth clean is good brushing technique, she adds. By brushing each tooth and slightly sweeping the gum line with your brush at a 45-degree angle, you'll be able to remove plaque particles. Maria says if your brushing technique is good, even a toothbrush with water can be enough. Number two, is there an ideal time of day when I should brush my teeth? Perhen suggests brushing your teeth first thing in the morning before eating breakfast. It breaks up the biofilm and gets it ready to remineralize your teeth. If you do happen to eat first, make sure you wait at least 30 minutes before brushing. If you're brushing after a meal, that produces an acid attack in the mouth, Berhen says. The acid from the meal softens the enamel, so if you brush too soon, you could damage that typically hard, shiny, protective layer in its weakened state. You're scraping away a lot of enamel, so for anyone who is eating junk or candy or having a soda or even coffee or a glass of wine, I would hesitate brushing right away, he says. Berhen says waiting for the outer layer to remineralize prevents you from brushing your softened enamel right after you eat. If you don't wait, it could thin out the top layer of your tooth. Immediately after meals, you can rinse or drink water to flush acids and sugars from the mouth, increase the saliva's pH, and help with the remineralization process, according to research from the Journal of Indian Association of Public Health Dentistry. Number three, do I really need to floss? You may not want to hear it, but the answer is yes, according to the American Dental Association. You should be flossing at least once a day. Flossing gets to all the areas where toothbrushes don't. You can't do one or the other, Berhen says. Berhen says there aren't many studies about flossing, but some research has shown that flossing, in addition to brushing, can improve cleaning and disease prevention. Berhen recommends flossing before brushing to open up areas you might not be able to clean with just the toothbrush, like in between your teeth. Flossing helps remove food debris and plaque before it hardens into tartar, a hard mineral deposit that can only be removed by a professional. Flossing also reduces the likelihood of gum disease and decay, according to the ADA. Berhen says flossing and brushing techniques can be all over the map, and it's hard to see if you're reaching all of your teeth. That's why I recommend to my patients to buy a makeup mirror, Berhen says. You get these little makeup mirrors that are lit up, you mount them on the wall, or you can suction cup them on your mirror and take a look at five times and ten times with a light inside the mirror inside your mouth, he says. And if you see blood as you're flossing or brushing, Berhen says that's usually not from brushing too hard. He says that's an early stage of gum disease, or gingivitis. 
Gingivitis is classified as a type 1 category for gum disease, he says. As you get into other categories, it gets worse. You get receding gums, you get more bleeding, you get death of the tissue, then you get death of the bone, he says. Number four, how do I whiten my teeth? From specialty toothpaste to DIY hacks to at-home whitening strips, there are all kinds of products and methods to help whiten your teeth. But dental professionals say to be wary. Berhen says the charcoal and whitening toothpastes you might find at the drugstore are so abrasive they can make your teeth sensitive and potentially wear your teeth and gum line down. The ADA discourages using home remedies like brushing teeth with lemon juice or rubbing vinegar on your teeth. There are limited studies on the efficacy of these methods, according to the ADA. And when it comes to at-home whitening strips or other products, they can be okay, but do it slowly, says Berhen. He recommends whitening products with carbamide peroxide concentrations of 10% or less. But the ideal way to whiten your teeth is to ask your dentist for professional advice, he says. The best way to whiten is slowly with a low-strength gel, not a high-strength gel, and with a tray that covers just the teeth and not the gums, Berhen says. Whitening tray and gel procedures can be done at home, but also by a professional. Remember, the priority should always be making sure your teeth are healthy first over aesthetics, he says. Number five, do I really have to go to the dentist? While proactive care at home can help keep your teeth healthy, yes, you still have to see a dentist, says Maria. The ADA recommends that patients see a dentist at least once or twice a year. Berhen says visiting twice a year isn't necessarily a hard-set rule, as there are limited studies on what the perfect minimum is. But visits are still important. Dentists and hygienists provide x-rays examining the enamel, dentin layer, the main supporting layer of the tooth made of tiny tubes under the enamel, and pulp chambers, the soft centers of your teeth. Maria says professionals clean more effectively in areas you may struggle to reach and can help you with more complicated dental problems like impacted wisdom teeth, receding gums, or cavities. If financial burdens are an issue, both Berhen and Maria recommend looking for dental schools, federally qualified health centers, and mobile dental clinics in your area for low-cost or no-insurance options. More information on affordable options can be found on the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services website. And if it's been a while since you've been to the dentist or you're feeling intimidated, remember there's no shame in having dental issues, Berhen says. Everyone has experienced this when they come in and their gums bleed a little bit, there's a little buildup of calculus and plaque, and the reason given is you haven't flossed and brushed enough, he says. I think that's unfair, because the equation of the reasons why that would occur are complex, he says. There are a lot of factors to juggle in your dental health, but you don't have to do it alone. That's what your dental appointments are for. It's never as bad as you think, Berhen says, but the sooner you come in, the better it will be, he says. Up next, how to tell if eggs are bad. Not sure if your eggs are still good? Here are a few ways to check. Plus, learn what the packing date is and how best to store eggs. By Jessica Yoon from Eating Well. It's easy to tell when most foods have gone bad, 
they'll let you know with a distinct smell or look. But what about eggs? There's not much you can tell by simply looking at or smelling one, especially if the shell hasn't been cracked or punctured. So how can you tell when eggs are bad? When in doubt, should you throw them out? Not yet. Before you head to the compost bin, here are a few ways to check if your eggs are still safe to eat. Check the packing date, not the expiration or sell-by dates. The most reliable date stamped on your egg carton is not the expiration or sell-by date, but the packing date. The expiration date is a general guideline about how fresh your eggs are, and the sell-by date is a tool for stores to use in order to gauge how long a product should sit on the shelf. Neither will tell you exactly how old your eggs are. The packing date, on the other hand, is the exact day your eggs were put into the carton. Sometimes it's not easy to identify because it's indicated using the Julian date calendar, a system where days of the year are counted chronologically, starting with 1 for January 1 and continuing through 365 for December 31st. To find the packing date, look for a three-digit code near the use by, sell by, or expiration date. If stored properly, your eggs should be fine to eat within four to five weeks of the pack date and two to three weeks after an expiration date, according to United Egg Producers. If you're not into deciphering dates and codes on cartons, the Institute of Agriculture and Natural Resources at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln recommends eating your eggs within three to five weeks of the day you purchased them. Do a float test. If you can't be bothered to find and figure out the Julian date and do the math, then a float test may be the way to go. Eggshells are porous. Air can easily penetrate them, which means the older the egg, the more air inside it. After enough time has passed, the egg will have enough air inside to make it float. To conduct a float test, fill a bowl or cup with water. It should be big enough to fully submerge your egg. Gently place your egg inside and see if it sinks or floats. If it floats, it's old and you may want to toss it. But the USDA's Food Safety and Inspection Service says an old egg may be perfectly safe to use. Crack the egg into a bowl and examine it for an off odor or unusual appearance before deciding to use or discard it. A spoiled egg will have an unpleasant odor when you break open the shell, either when raw or cooked. If the egg sinks and stands up, then it's not very fresh, but still safe to eat. If it sinks and falls to its side, then the egg is at its prime. Can I tell if an egg is bad by shaking it? You can also perform a shake test to see if your eggs are bad. Hold an egg by your ear and shake it. If you hear nothing, then many say your egg is okay based on anecdotal evidence. If you hear liquid sloshing around, it means the yolk and or white have deteriorated and are no longer fresh and firm, but rather old and watery. However, FSIS does not endorse this test for freshness like they do the float test. Your best bet is the float test, or even easier, cracking the egg open. Crack it open. The most accurate way of testing whether your eggs have gone bad is to crack them open. If the yolk or white has any discoloration, the egg is no good. Discoloration is an indication of bacterial growth. If your eggs look good but have an off or sulfuric smell to them, they are bad. Compost them. 
According to Eating Well's senior digital food editor, Sean Kenneff, a fresh egg should have a bright yellow or orange yolk that's more rounded than flat. The yolk should sit high on the inner albumen, that's the thicker part of the white directly surrounding the yolk, and the inner albumen itself should not spread too much from the yolk and be relatively thick. The thinner outer albumen should not spread too far from the inner albumen, and there should be no off smells or colors, he says. What if I eat a bad egg? In the unlikely event that you do happen to eat a bad egg, you may be at risk for foodborne illness such as salmonella. Food poisoning may cause you to have a fever, abdominal pain, diarrhea, and vomiting. For most people, symptoms go away within a few days. However, serious illness and hospitalization can follow. Best to avoid eating a bad egg if possible. How to properly store eggs. Eggs have a long shelf life as long as they're refrigerated properly. Instead of storing your eggs on the inside of the fridge door, place them in the coldest part of your fridge, which is usually the middle or bottom shelf. The door is actually the warmest part of your fridge because it gets exposed to ambient temperature every time you open it. Keep your eggs in the carton. The carton protects and insulates the eggs from breaking and absorbing excess air. For your eggs to last as long as possible, FSIS recommends keeping the temperature of your fridge at 45 degrees Fahrenheit and lower. And don't leave your eggs out. According to FSIS, discard all perishable foods such as meat, poultry, eggs, and casseroles left at room temperature longer than two hours, one hour in temperatures above 90 degrees Fahrenheit. The bottom line? As long as they've been stored properly, eggs can keep for four to five weeks after they've been packed. Make sure to store your eggs in the coldest part of the fridge and in the carton they came in. If you're ever in doubt, perform one of the tests, the float it or crack it, don't shake it, to determine whether your eggs should be used or tossed. Thank you for joining us for the Human Health Program. My name is Emily Crocker. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.